0: Welcome to the Company of One podcast. I'm Dale Callahan. Today we're talking about seven things I've learned from being an entrepreneur. Actually, these aren't seven things I've learned. As much as they're seven kind of things that have come from cumulative lots of people that I work with that are entrepreneurs and me working with entrepreneurs. So they're not all my companies as I'm watching these things happen. But these are just things that I've learned that I wasn't taught right? So thanks for tuning in. I really, really appreciate the, uh, the you listening and you being here. This show is done for you. And I appreciate all of those of you reached out to me through email and all the other different ways we I hear from you. I love hearing from you. Don't hesitate. Uh, hey, if you got a chance, do a podcast review. Love getting those reviews. It helps me see kind of what, you know, the comments people make. Kind of tune in to What's the right stuff and what's really scratching in that itch. So today let's just jump in though in terms of the seven things I've learned from being an entrepreneur. So if you know anything about me or listen to anything about me, I'm a university professor. I don't I'm not in the school of business, although I have MBAs and those kind of things. Um, I'm actually in the school of engineering. Actually, the people in the School of Business don't always appreciate what I do, but that's a whole other story. I spend a lot of time teaching entrepreneurship. I spend a lot of time um, focusing on the reality, uh, which is part of the reason I don't fit in academia. Sometimes, you know, the reality of business, the reality of uh, how do you grow in your career, the reality of how to grow your income—not theory. So I've noticed over the years, and uh, I have a friend who teaches in one of these big university entrepreneurship programs. <clears throat> so if you pay any attention at all, you may know that there's undergraduate programs in entrepreneurship out there. Well, there's actually graduate programs in entrepreneurship, uh, and many of these things are have good elements, but many of them are just wormed over academia. And I mean by that, they're out of touch with reality, just like other things. Sometimes in academia, they're out of touch with reality. Uh, a good friend of mine teaches at one of these programs, one of the top ranked ones, and his comment to me was uh, one time that he just he was so frustrated because he's really an entrepreneur. He really understands how business works. He's started businesses and sold businesses, and everybody else that was teaching has no clue. And the frustration of them trying to keep it real and be really about business instead of about academics. And uh, it was just, it was funny as I remember listening to him talk about this one time and they're one of the top ranked entrepreneurship programs in the country. I'm not going to say their name, but because it's probably true of all of them, right? Uh, That there is a sense of what. We learn in school, I'm using air quotes here, uh, to what's real. But I'm not going to leave it just at the, uh, at the business schools or different schools. There's also a lot of workshops. there's all kind, a lot of books on the market. There's a lot of uh, uh, small business administration type uh, processes and things they teach, which are good on paper. They're just not how it really works. And that's what I want to talk about today is what's really working when you're starting a small business. And the reason I want to point this out is I know I talk about small business. I talk about growing your income. I talk about these kind of things all the time. Uh, Multiple streams of income was a recent podcast I did. And people will contact me or the people that I'm teaching or leading or or coaching, they'll, you know, they, they get caught up. In the processes Uh, and so the first process that they get caught up in and one lesson number one is well let me just tell you what the lesson is action means a lot more than plans let me change that to the word execution Execution is everything. I remember a savvy entrepreneur, somebody who actually does venture capital, and and is for real. I remember him telling me at lunch one time, we were talking about whether business was a good idea or a bad idea. And he was like, it doesn't matter. He said, execution is everything. And I thought, well, yeah, you probably are right, I think. You know, and he he went on to tell me that, you know, you can take a bad business idea, something that's bad on paper, execute well, and severely outperform a wonderful, earth-shattering business idea. I know. I have been part of those. I have been part of where people are pouring in venture capital money, and it didn't execute well, and it just went floop, just flop. You know, nothing happened. And then, a business, that was kind of like, ah, eh, it's kind of a good idea. And it just has, even today, we're out earning what that other business ever earned, uh, and, you know, just over and over. Action means everything. I'm going to change that to say execution is everything. Um, plans, and by that I mean business plans, right? We, what we typically see and what I see people doing all the time is they'll email me business plans and we get caught up in the business plan the business plan template and it seems like such a wonderful activity because we're moving forward right we're right we're watching i mean we're creating a business plan and it feels like we're doing something meaningful but we're not let me just tell you writing a business plan will bring you zero income it will not now can you can you use a business plan properly yeah but it's it, it kind of means something to you only if you're getting venture capital or doing some things that you need a plan. And even then, the plan's not that critical, right? So, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to the 15-minute business plan for your startup. You need a plan, sh- certainly. I'm not saying you just go off half-cocked. You need some thought about what you're doing. What are you going to market? Who's your customer? Yeah, you need to think about those things. But it's not a six-month activity and 50 pages of documentation that you're no, you're not going to read, and nobody else is either. Execution is everything. And by that, I mean going out, selling a product, getting in front of customers, delivering your goods, making it happen. It doesn't happen by sitting down. It happens by engaging customers. Execution is everything. They don't teach that very often, right? We talk a lot about planning, a lot about studying, a lot about all these kind of things, but not so much about execution. Number two, uh, you cannot determine how your customers should spend their money. Now, this one, I, I might need to explain this one. I probably have this worded kind of poorly, but I'll, maybe I'll think of about a better way to word it. Uh, a lot of times I run into people that are serving a certain audience. Let's say they're serving an audience that are, um, that are poor, Okay, that, that don't have much money. And they think they know what they need. What do they need? They need business education. They need uh, how to use their money better. They need to be told you don't need to spend your money on these things. You need to be spending. Your, you know, we, we try to think about what people um, should do with their money. And we're, in other words, we're making the customers' decisions. You know, we're we're looking at a house that. Um, you know, if you're a if you're a remodeling person, for instance, and you're looking at a house that's a one or two hundred thousand dollar house, or it's kind of a cheaper home in a cheaper neighborhood, and you're trying to help them fix it up a little bit, uh, and they want to put in a big giant swimming pool, and do all this fancy stuff, and you're sitting there thinking, dude, you're overbuilding for the neighborhood. You're never going to get your money back if I put this in for you. You're trying to do the customer a favor, right? And it's fair to say that. But that's not your call. You're not in the business of telling the customers, even with your best intent, how they should spend their money. You don't really know their situation, and we do this all the time. Uh, so this goes into, uh, and, and, and we get we get kind of high and mighty in the business. You know, we think we're advising people. I've seen people telling small businesses, you know, how they should spend their money and you shouldn't do what the big businesses do maybe that's true that's not your call you can't make decisions for your customers you can advise them but you cannot make that decision and even your advice may not be accurate okay uh, and that's a hard one for me <laughs> That one, I, i'm just telling you being open. That's a hard one for me. Very often I'm selling something, I'm shipping something to somebody and I've told them, this is not really a fit for you. They want it anyway. What am I going to do? Tell them they can't buy it. I could do that, but that's not my call, right? So number three um, is related. Number three is related. I'll just tell you a story about this one. Uh, number, Number three is broke people are not really broke. Right. We have this perception, and I'm speaking specifically in the United States. Now, don't send me emails and say, no, you don't understand poverty in the United States and all that kind of stuff. I get it. I understand. Yes, there's wealth and there's poverty and these kind of things going on, but uh, broke people are not broke. For instance, if you drive into um, the roughest neighborhoods where there's a lot of poverty, look at what they're driving. Look at the kind of phones they're carrying in their pockets. Look at the size of the television. Now, it's not everybody, right? I get that. It's not everybody. But they manage to find a way, whether it's credit, whether it's cash, whether, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's poor decisions, right? That goes back to the first or the last point. They're not really broke. If you're trying to sell a poor person a product, and I'm, I'm putting poor, you have to define what that means. A person that doesn't have the means, a product or service, and you feel like you shouldn't, even though it might get help them, what are you doing? I find this, give, give you the example I see all the time, is people want to do non-profits. I want to go help people in the... Lower income housing. Well, I'll give you a specific example. This guy was trying to help uh, this, comp- this um, help families that that were had uh, family members incarcerated. So, and their family member was getting out of jail, and their family member was coming back into society, and they were trying to create a nonprofit to help them engage back in society. And they so I was meeting with them and we were trying to help. They were trying to get advice and counsel on getting this done. and I was and, and the point was their families didn't have much money. So I started asking them, I said, what's the chances of somebody that gets out of prison going back? It's very high, I think we know that. Um, and what's the cost to the family if that happens? You know, whether it's lost income, whether it's uh, legal fees, uh, pain and suffering, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, what is the cost? And so as we started talking about it, this guy began to develop a model in his head. He says, you know what? My services really aren't that expensive because if I can help keep your family member out of prison with my services, I can show them that it makes financial sense for them to pay me. And he started seeing he could put a value proposition on that. The problem was he just had to explain it to them. And not everybody would buy it, but some people would understand, wow, if I do this, this in and your services work, it's worth the risk. It's going to, it's going to have a big impact on my family financially. So we think about that all the time. I'll give you another example. We did We used to do video games. Now, um, what I mean in the video game market when it was those big giant video games like the Pac-Mans and things like that when I was in college, and we were selling we were renting these. We would buy these games and we would go out and put them at college campuses and various places. The most profitable place we put our games was in the projects. And, you know, if you go into projects in towns, you have these little bitty grocery stores that are, you know, got bars on the windows. And we, we did one in the projects. And, and what happened is immediately tons of kids were coming out of their homes. And they were all poor, probably, at least on paper. And they were coming out of their homes with quarters in their hand. And we could barely get the machines in the store before they were making more money than they were making on college campuses. And we were making so much money. We, had, we, we kept putting more, and we had like a 50-50 split, right, with the owner of the store. And he kept giving us more floor space because he was making so much money on our games, and so were we. We ended up having like 17 games in this little bitty uh, store, uh, and, and we were making so much money. It was kind of scary to walk out of there with a bunch of quarters, uh, you know, it was, it was uh, because we were in the best neighborhoods. But I, I remember thinking, broke people will spend a lot of money if you understand what they want to spend their money on. Now, I'm not suggesting that uh, that's the right thing to do for me to put video games in there. But again, it wasn't up for me to, to me to go knock on mom and dad's door. Let's face it, it was probably mom's. Or to go knock on mom's door and say, you shouldn't be spending your money on giving your kids this. Who am I to say that? It's pretty judgmental of me. You know, maybe she needed the break. I don't know. Maybe she had plenty of money. I don't know. Uh, But broke people aren't really broke if you understand what they need. Think about Dave Ramsey. His entire business model is serving broke people. Now, he makes money through advertising, but broke people, in-debt people, are paying him also. So that's lesson number three. Number, lesson number four, by the way, they don't ever teach this stuff in the MBA. thanks, right? This is, uh, this just is not how it works. Anyway, lesson number four, niche markets are better than broad markets. <clears throat> now in my MBA experience, by the way, which was wonderful, don't tell me how wonderful your MBA was, I enjoyed it, I think it's awesome, um. But we looked always at entrepreneurship and kind of this big business model. How do, you, how do you get into a market and how to get into a big market? You know, you want to make sure you've covered lots of customers and not these niches because there's more money. If your name is Apple, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but if your name is Joe Blow from nowhere and you're trying to get in and make some money on something – Niche markets are better. And what I mean is getting very, very, very specific of who you serve. I've seen people serving, for instance, the uh, uh, school teachers, and they were going to develop products and services to help school teachers. They found more success by saying, I'm going to build products and services for second grade math teachers. Now, that's pretty specific. Subject. I'm not sure second grade math teachers make sense, but um, so I probably have that wrong, but you get the idea. They got very specific on uh, the grade level and the subject or whatever kind of teacher this was, right? And, and they found out they could sell a whole lot more by targeting that because it's just easier to market, right? Niche markets are easier to market, especially when you don't have much money to market. It's easier for me to talk about what I can do for second grade teachers than it is I can talk to all teachers. For beginners, if you're a small business, you don't have the breadth to have products for high school teachers and and librarians and football coaches and all the different types of teachers there are from first grade to twelfth grade. You just don't have the breadth to handle that, probably not even the expertise. Just because you're a teacher doesn't mean you're an expert at all levels. Right? so when you zoom in to those target markets it's easier to get started and you can certainly grow from there lots of people have started with one targeted specific product think about my pillow guy I think that's the name the my pillow guy I forget what his name is um, I'll have to look it up yeah, I'm trying to think and it's not coming to me but the my pillow uh, how specific of a product is this the guy makes one product one product markets the daylights out of it and now he's doing all kinds of things sheets and bedding and all other kind of things that are related to what he did now maybe in the back of his mind um Lindale. What's the first, his first name? It'll come to me. It doesn't matter. You know, but maybe in the back of his mind, he was thinking about this all along. He could have the whole betting market, uh, and he was just going to zoom in on pillows. I don't know. It doesn't really matter that he might have had that vision. What matters is he focused down on the pillow, and he got the pillow out there. He got his brand out there. Now he's known as the My Pillow guy, and it works for him. Right now, he's I saw where he's selling bed sheets and uh, pet beds and you know all kinds of things related to beds. So niche markets are easier than broad markets. Now there's a lot of entrepreneurs teaching this. I don't find that so much in entrepreneurship programs. Number five, uh, money is the easy part. Um, now what I mean by that is. Money the easy part. <laughs> so, for instance, people are always calling me and we're having discussions uh, or we'll bring in a speaker and they're going to ask that speaker, you know, that, that's an entrepreneurship speaker. You know, how do I raise money? How do I get money for my business? How do I get startup funding? Uh, or, you know, how do I start making money with my product and service? How do I get people to buy it? Getting people to, ta- to turn loose of money through investment is really not that hard. There's a lot of money out there to be invested. And I'm not talking about the stock market. I'm talking about in your small business. Uh, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of ways to do it. Um, it's, it's easy to do. Now, it may not be easy to figure out who they are if you've never done this before. But they might be sitting next to you in church. For instance, that's where my first venture capitalist, uh, well, I guess they're angel capitalists, you know, they were people I knew from church. Uh, I didn't know I knew them from church until I met them, you know, in our little secret meeting, but they were from my church. So money uh, is all around you. It's it's uh, people you know. It may be family members. It may be friends. It may be people that you're at church with that love to invest in things where they can make money. And especially if they see your energy and like your idea. And then the same thing is true when you're selling products to customers. You know, we get really caught up on pricing and things like that, but it doesn't matter to a lot of us, right? How much do you really think about pricing on things? You know, you go to the store, you buy milk or whatever you buy, do you pay a whole lot of attention? Yeah, maybe you do sometimes, maybe you're a coupon cutter. But for most of us, we don't pay attention to a lot of things, even things that are big, right? You know, I see people that are getting bids to get their house painted or get a deck fixed on their house or maybe put a deck put in. And they don't do a lot of price shopping and comparison. And so really, you know, your price may be significantly higher or significantly lower. And it, and it doesn't always matter that it's higher, right? People buy the higher priced product. And so it's, the money is easy we sell products on our website that we tell people you can buy cheaper at amazon and you can you can buy them cheaper at amazon it's just easier to buy from us even though amazon's one click and they all have an amazon account amazon ships overnight amazon has a lot of amazing things but they will buy from us because they're already there it's one click there's no more searching they got other things to do they're not trying to save that forty or fifty bucks or whatever the difference is. They don't care. Now some people do, but for the most part, it's shocking the number of people who don't care. So money is not the hard part. Money in sales, money in uh, uh, you know, money in pricing or money in investment. It's actually not the hard part of business. Execution is the hard part. Execution is the hard part. Mostly because you have to keep executing day in and day out. Number six, marketing is more important than the product. This goes back to number one again. Marketing is more important than the product. That's why my friend told me it doesn't matter if he's got a C product. He doesn't need an A product because he can market it. He knew how to market products and services. It doesn't matter that it's perfect. A bad product marketed well is going to outsell a wonderful product that's marketed poorly, or usually not at all, Or, 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 or a limited amount. And by this, I don't mean a lavish marketing campaign where you spend a bunch of money. I mean marketing, getting your product and service in front of the customers and helping explain how it helps them. You know, it's not rocket science in marketing. We don't have to spend a bunch of money or get crazy on you know um, advertising or how we do our advertising or get fancy we just have to engage customers somehow whether it's social media youtube videos or just being in front of them and shaking their hand and explaining what we can do to help them marketing is the key marketing is the key in making money you must Be willing to market your product. Not sleazy used car salesman product, but marketing in the sense of explaining to customers how you can help them. That is marketing. Number seven, prospects lie. Customers speak the truth. Now, by this, I mean we spend a lot of time, and this is especially true in academia, we spend a lot of time doing market analysis analysis. And market studies and talking to potential customers, would you buy these products and services? Which is okay. I'm not suggesting that's something you would not do, but I am suggesting that we lie. Just because you asked me if I would buy something, if you show me products and said, hey, you know, if we sold this and it was $10.99, would you buy it? I oh yeah. Yeah, I'd buy that. That's a good deal. And then if you flip it around and say, okay, here it is. Give me $10.99. Well, I don't need it right now. It doesn't serve a need. right? That's a huge difference, and you find that all the time. What happens is at surveys and a lot of things that you think you might do, and I find even they're guilty on this. A lot of the people who are not in the academic side of the world, a lot of people who are teaching marketing, uh, in terms of just small business, online business, e-commerce, they have you do these kind of things like surveys and stuff and they're, they're okay. they can they can help help you see some things. But customers, they're not. They're prospects, right? And the prospects are saying yeah, I would buy that. When they say I would buy that for 10.99 or I would be interested in that, that just it's all it means. You can't read anymore into that. It doesn't mean they're a customer. Customers, though, are people who have spent money. Now, this is what I've learned is when people spend money, they will tell you the truth. And I don't mean whether your product's good or bad. They'll do that, and, and they'll give you real feedback on your product. If you ask, um, they'll give you good feedback. They'll give you the bad feedback, and they'll tell you what they really, really wanted instead. Your, your product was this, but I was hoping it did this, or or they'll call you up and say, "Hey, this product is really good, but we need something else. Can you do that too?" Right? Because you've already so. So think about if you're installing decks for people, right? And you've you've come out there and you've installed a deck, and they're like, "Wow, man, Dale, you did a great job installing that deck." And uh, do do you guys do deck furniture too? And what's happening is now they're starting to talk to you about related products and services that you may not do right now, but they would buy from you if you did, because they trust you, right? And now they're talking to you about things you may not have thought about. One of our best-selling products today, well, our best-selling product ever came from those kind of conversations where customers were telling us, we wish you would do this. Why don't you guys do this? Could you do this, please? And we heard this over and over again until we finally said, man, that's not a bad idea, (laughs) right? Maybe the customers are telling the truth because these people were buying products and services for us and they wanted something else, in addition. And We delivered it and we've made a lot of money since then. So these are seven things I've learned. Oh, I'm sure there's many, many more. But I want to say one last thing. Maybe this should be number eight, but I'm just saying it. Business is not hard. If you're sitting there thinking you don't have what it takes to run a business out of your home or be e-commerce or do something like that or you're not savvy enough or you're not educated enough or you don't have enough money to get started all of those are lies, 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 lies that you're telling yourself and probably other people are telling you. You're smart enough. You know, you understand you understand certain things and you can help people in certain ways and you don't need any Zero money to start if you do it right. In almost all businesses, you don't need zero zilch to get started if you do it right. You just have to find ways to serve people, and they will pay you for what you've done for them. It's an awesome, awesome thing. It's very satisfying. And it doesn't mean you have to quit your day job, right? It means you can start earning income on the side. Matter of fact, there's a podcast I got. I need to put a link to it. Let me make a note of that. Is why everyone needs a small business or why everyone needs a side business or side hustle. As if we need to explain this to you if you've uh, watched what's going on in the world lately. All right, I'm going to leave this with you. Seven things. Let me just go back over them again. Execution is everything. It's more than business plans. You cannot determine how your customers should spend their money. Number three, broke people are not really broke. Number four, niche markets are better than broad markets. Number five, money is the easy part. Number six, marketing is more important than the product. And number seven, the prospects lie. Customers speak the truth. I'm going to leave it there. We will talk to you next week.